104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. The calendar may say September 12th, but in everybody's mind that's an NFL fan, it is December 25th because it is the opening day of the NFL season. We have our first official episode of Ned Talk as we begin the season and the Chiefs take on the Browns. A little bit later on right here on 104.7 The Cave, I'm Joe Weston, joined as always by the namesake for the show, Ned Reynolds. How are you? I'm glad you qualified that by calling it the first official show because the rest of them we've done, guys, has been completely unofficial. (laughs) All all unofficial. Um, Just practice for today. That's all that it is. You know, I was I, I told you this before we went on the air. You're so famous. I was in line at the oh. hardware store yesterday. I heard somebody <laughs> telling a Ned Reynolds story. It was a good one, though. <laughs> and it speaks to the kind of person that you are, that you took the time to call this lady. Though you can't remember it, but still, you took the time to call it. I can't remember how to spell my name. <laughs> Part of the problem. John Oliver's back with us. John, how are you today? Uh, I was fine until you told me the rest of these shows have been scrimmages. Now <laughs> yeah. I'm kind They're of nervous. Scrimmages. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And back from the DL, we've got Josh Roberts. Josh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm ready to go. I'm, uh, I'm, I've missed this place. I've missed you all. I'm very happy to be back here. About to ask you, how, how do you, what's your name again? Hi, I'm Josh Roberts. Nice to meet you. My pleasure, sir. Pleasure. Uh, you can recognize him by the Roll Tide hat he's wearing. <laughs> roll Tide. All right, so here we are. Uh, football season kicked off metaphorically and physically on Thursday night with the uh, Buccaneers and the Cowboys. That was a pretty exciting game. It was. Did you watch any of it? I watched the uh, final minute of the game. I was occupied with another project, but I did see the <laughs> I did see the Cowboys kick the go-ahead field goal, and I quickly looked down the screen to see how much time was remaining, a minute 24. <laughs> That's a 20th century for Tom Brady right yeah. there. Sure enough, right down the field, winning, winning, uh, winning field goal. In his case, yeah, it was a winning field goal. Yeah, exactly. And it was exciting. Dak Prescott back with the Cowboys. A lot of hype going on behind him returning to the team. John, what did you think of his performance? I thought it was a really good kickoff to the NFL season. Prescott looked really good considering the amount of time he's missed. Didn't look rusty. Amari Cooper, who I've sung his praises before, had a tremendous game. And I actually thought that game was a lot of fun. I know a lot of people are upset about the non-pass interference call on Antonio Brown, but this is going to be the unpopular decision. I think it's a good no call on that, but... Oh, I saw that. Honestly, I didn't watch the game. Uh, I, You know, I slept on it, more or less. I've been doing the morning (laughs) show for Mike, and so 8 o'clock's bedtime for me, but when I saw that, and I didn't see any of the the talking heads talk about it, but I saw totally the push-off that enabled him to get that that catch and i think that that was a little too close for me mm. okay but yeah. as uh, josh will frequently tell us in the divorce between belichick and brady brady got the refs yeah that's true <laughs> well i i do believe it was a little bit of home cooking for brady on that particular play because i mean come on I, the uh offensive player fully extended his arm to push off on that play so anyway Stuff like that's going to happen. Well, that's plenty of stuff for us to talk about, you know, <laughs> whenever Tom Brady gets his home cooking in Tampa. Let's talk about the game today. It begins at 320 today. 325 is official cook- kickoff. Cook-off. I almost said cook-off, cook-off time. Cook-off. It's almost 
kickoff time, and the Chiefs take on the Browns, and they they tough customer today. Baker Mayfield. Well, there's the no group. question about that. Cleveland is primed and ready for this one, and they'll come in fully loaded. They played the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. Maybe even should have won the game. Lost at what twenty two seventeen, something like that, on a rather raw day up in Kansas City. This time, the whole scenario is totally different. There will be, and guys, Pollyanna as I am. The full house makes a very big difference. The yes, crowd will be huge, be 75, maybe 76,000 fans on there. They'll all be carrying on, cheering, may not all be sober, but that's all right. They're still <laughs> loud. But the fact remains that that's a huge advantage for Kansas City to play in a situation like that. And the Browns know fully well what to expect. I think they have probably practiced for that. But that'll make a big difference. The warm, dry conditions will also make a big difference. It, it, it's, everything favors the Chiefs in this one. The Browns are good. This is a telltale game right from the very start. I think Cleveland comes in and plays a really tough game, but right now leaning toward KC. John, you have talked a lot about, as we've gone over the schedule, Trap games. Do you think the Chiefs have a trap game right out of the box? I think they're bookended by trap games. I think this game and the Bengals game at the end of the season are both trap games for the Chiefs. Here's what I'm most afraid of and what I think the game will hinge on. Obviously, the Browns can run the ball. Nick Chubb, really good running back. The Chiefs can obviously air it out. We need to see what, you know, Edwards Hilaire can do. But I think the key for the Browns is, and he's looked phenomenal in the preseason, is Odell Beckham Jr. If he's on point, Mayfield can hook up with him. Our secondary is going to be key in this. So I'd, I'd have my eyes on ODB this game. Any word on the Honey Badger, whether he's going to play or honey not? Honey Badger is going to play. Yeah, he was taken off the COVID yep. list yesterday, so he'll be all right. And I don't think he's ever been ill. I think it's just a matter of his the tests that have turned out and you know, I'm not being cynical nor critical, but how often are these tests accurate? Now, everybody, oh, they're 100%. I mean, there's nothing 100%. And it, uh, knowing a little bit about this, Viri are with everybody in some way or case or form. And I think he may have come in contact with something like that and not rendered ill. He's tough. And the Chiefs do need him in there. They need him in that lineup because he solidifies their D-backs. And the D-backs... The D-backs need help with Kansas City. Yes, they I do. I think Mayfield has a chance of having a very big afternoon. What do you think you're going to see from the Chiefs today, Josh? Well, I I think they're going to air it out. I think they're going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, my concern is still going to be offensive line. I know they made good moves to get that short up, but this is their first you know, official regular season test of that. And I'm not sure. I know that the Browns have a much improved defense, but I'm not exactly sure how good they are. But, I mean, I think that's the key. If it, Because I still have in my mind how uh, Mahomes was running for his life the whole game in that Super Bowl. And that is the blueprint for how to stop the Chiefs. So if their offensive line hasn't uh, filled in those gaps and shored up that wall, then this could be an interesting game. What a great point you just brought up, too, Josh. Uh, in reading some of the preseason perspectives from some of the, these are reporters who cover the scene. They say, yes, the Chiefs have made some improvements in their offensive line, brought in new people and all that sort of thing. But is that really what the problem was last year? Or has somebody figured out, uh-huh, we see some, we see some a little chipping away in what this team is able to do and what their schemes are. The Chiefs apparently have changes in play counts. 
uh, all teams do for that matter, but they have a rhythm to what they do. And, you know, once you figure out that rhythm, you've got half the battle won right here. But that was a suggestion. That's only one. But the suggestion was that maybe maybe a scheme has been figured out as we predicted it would be. Oh, a yeah. guy with an altogether totally wide-open offense that Mahomes has and that uh, Coach Reed puts in. There are answers to everything, and in the NFL, you're going to get those answers pretty quickly. Let's stop and do just a quick roundtable about that. By the way, you're listening to 104.7 The Cave. Ned Talk, your local live Chiefs sports talk show. Do you think that that what we saw last year was a blueprint or an anomaly, Ned? I think you, you, it's a good question. A very good question. I am of the opinion, being the cynic that I am, is that it's a blueprint. I think somebody has discovered where weaknesses lie in their all altogether protective aspect of Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes' talent is not. That's not an anomaly. That's not anything. That's real. This guy can do a lot of things. But just as Fran Tarkenton, the scrambler, was around, just as there had been other uh, QBs around who have been very good, Mahomes apparently is working off a uh, an offensive thought pattern that does have some answers to it. And it could be that somebody's figured that out. I think we're going to find out a little bit about that today because the Cleveland Browns, while they don't have the greatest defense in the world, are going to present a learning experience from having seen that Super Bowl and having it, having seen it over and over again. Now, Orlando Brown, guys they brought in here, Creed Humphrey, the big center, keep in mind, he's a rook playing in his first game. Very talented, both he and Orlando Brown, Oklahoma Sooners. They know fully well what the blocking schemes could, could, uh, could and should be, but you're also up against pros who are more than just capable. I've said this often, and it really results in guys you don't know what the hell you're talking about hey we live in an isolated area guys and we get a direct stream of what the kansas city media and st louis media want you to hear and not what the the other teams aren't sitting around with their fingers where the sun doesn't shine they're getting better too i think we'll see a very interesting contest but what you just pointed out josh i I, if that is the case we're going to find out it'll be exploited today oh yeah Mm -hmm. john your thought I think this, as Ned was alluding to, is going to show us a lot about how this season will go. And the reason I think it's a huge test is one person over on the Brown side who I think still gets overlooked to a point that shouldn't is Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to double team Garrett all day to stop him. If they fail to do so, we're going to see how this offensive line either has greatly improved or is going to be the same old story. Josh, what do you think? Well, I agree with that, and that's what I was thinking was Miles Garrett because right before I came over here, uh, one of the morning shows was interviewing him, uh, and he basically was implying that he hadn't been given the respect that he deserved, <laughs> so he was going to prove something today. <laughs> you know, that it scares you. It should scare you when a, a top-tier defensive player like that is angry about not being shown respect because they're going to go that extra effort. Um I think the Chiefs will handle it. That's what I'm hoping. You know, I think that they've had they've had time to get that offensive line in place and get those guys playing together, get some synergy with them, and that's what it takes. Those they have to know where the other ones are so that they know if they slide to the left that they're not leaving a big gap on the right. So I think they'll handle it. I'm going to go that it was an anomaly because the Chiefs played how many games with. Patrick Mahomes' quarterback, before we see a game like that, 
we haven't really ever seen any games like that. And I, and I, the biggest thing I think happened in that Super Bowl was the Chiefs made no adjustments at all. Yeah. And by the time they started to go back to what is sort of the bread and butter for that team, which Andy Reid is brilliant. Anybody in the NFL will tell you the best. Mm-hmm. He's the best screen pass design guy in the NFL. And they got away from it because I think there's one flaw to Patrick Mahomes' game is he likes the big play too mm-hmm. much. And you have to hang on to the ball a little, little bit longer to let that play develop. Definitely. And you start to fall in love with your own press clippings and go, well, I can get out of anything. Obviously, you can't get out of anything. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that game was a wake-up call for everybody, for Andy Reid, for the offense, for Patrick Mahomes to say, one of the reasons that Tom Brady is as successful as he has been over his whole career is three seconds and out. Yeah. Three seconds and out. Three seconds and out. He's throwing that ball so quickly, finding the open guy. Big plays, not the mark of his career. There's nothing flashy about Tom Brady except that smile. <laughs> nothing flashy about Tom Brady. He's just getting the ball out, getting it to somebody, and he's not on his ass. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Now? No question about that. It's, it's a quick release. Uh, the offense is formed to where there is a very, very strong pocket around him uh, that gives him a little bit of extra time. The The misperception about that is if that pocket breaks down, which eventually it's going to, uh, then you have significant problems. But it's all all designed on the quick release, the quick outs, the dinks and dunks over the middle, and then the occasional shot like he hit because your receivers are given permission to stiff arm and, and nobody's <laughs> yeah. going to call it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another thing to take into account, especially with that Super Bowl, I think, is the, the war of attrition that happens over the course of a season in football. The Chiefs were beat up. I'm sure the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. were as well. Uh, but I think that can factor in as well, Like especially if your offensive line is playing with nagging injuries or things that they're going to get taken care of in the offseason but not l- lose time. That all builds up, too, by the end of the season. But, Josh, they're all going to. That's going oh, yeah, yeah. to happen. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I, to kind of counter that, that's the Super Bowl is actually the healthiest that Tampa Bay had been all season, and the Chiefs' offensive line was just completely decimated at that point. I don't. They were yeah. going with third-string third guys, and that's not to knock those guys. They're professional athletes. Uh, I couldn't sit there and block anybody. I'm not saying I could, but... When you don't have your top-tier guys against the other team's top-tier guys, it's hard to compete. Okay, we're we're presenting both sides of the argument here. Here are the argument uh, that we have presented, Josh and I, and then you two are coming back and... Let's just see who's right here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm looking at it more... John and I are looking at more on an optimistic side. Yeah. So I don't think... I personally don't think it's a blueprint. So tell us, Ned, because you do point this out all the time, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about how we live in a bubble, in the Chiefs' bubble. What has Cleveland done to improve themselves in the offseason to get ready for this year? Strengthen their defense to some extent, but they have really kind of formulated more than anything else their offensive scheme with Baker Mayfield back there, two great running backs, wonderful core of receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. has been a little beat up, but hey, come on, I'll take a beat up Odell (laughs) Beckham Jr. any day. He's a fine player. And you you have that level of individual who you've been working with now for a year. They did make the playoffs last year, virtually the same team. They have everybody Mm -hmm. back. And that year's experience does make a big difference. Furthermore, this is game one. It is not game, what would it have been, 17 or 18 
last year. That's yeah. right. And uh, that makes a difference, too. You have full, healthy teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that respect, I'm, I think it's, this is a significant barometer as to how the season will fall. Uh, I, I'm going back into history now. I remember in 1960, which was my sophomore year in college, whatever it was, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, all the preseason hype because they had made a big name for themselves the year before. They they showed great improvement. Oh, we're going to win the NFL championship. First game of the year with all this hype. 65,000 Franklin Field filled the Cleveland Browns. And this was the original (laughs) Cleveland Browns. This was Jimmy Brown. Oh, Paul Brown was coaching the team. All the little brownies that they had. It was a pretty good football team. They come in and they blasted Philadelphia. Something like 40, 41, 42 to 24, something like that. Oof. And, of course, the media. It's over. Are, are, this season's done. You got, we got sold a bill of goods. Well, the Eagles went on to win the championship that yep. year. Oh, nice. Um, they had to rally to do it, but they won it nonetheless. But the first game. That was a key right there. To, uh-huh. It was a wake-up call. We'll see if this one is as well. We've talked all through the preseason and as we headed into the season that the Chiefs have an extremely tough schedule this year. And the mantra has been, what is it's 23-0 or 21-0? 23-0. 23-0 the that the the Chiefs have put out for themselves. I'm not a fan of that, personally, because I think uh, losses are good in some cases, that you learn from a loss. You learn a lot from a loss about yourself and where you need to improve at. I, I, I could see the first four games of this of this season, the Chiefs coming out of it possibly two and two. Mm-hmm. I, I could see it happen. I, could, I, I, I think there's a possibility the Chiefs could go 0-2 to start the season. Mm-hmm. I don't want that, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that it'll happen, but I won't be surprised if we're sitting here three weeks from today and going, boy, the Chiefs need to win against the Chargers today. What do you think? Well, I don't think they will lose today. I think Kansas City will beat Cleveland, but here's a, a regular season record for them this year of 12-5 and five or even 11-6. and six would be pretty doggone good. Yes, it would. Preferably 12-5, and because it is. It's a rough schedule. And again, we talk about this time and time again, the rate of attrition. Mm. The National Football League is so different from every other sport. It's it's completely uh, the uh, unique factor about football is that the injuries are what make the difference. Players all know it. It's Mm. nothing new to them. Coaches all know it. But sometimes in the media, you get carried, or not in the media, I beg your pardon, in the fandom, you get carried away and you think, boy, we're really great here. Wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute. There's a long, long, long road to go. John, what do you think? What do you see the Chiefs doing this season? Are they still the best team in football? I guess this is a question I'm going to start with with you, John. I definitely think they're the best team in football if you look strictly from a talent and a paper perspective. But we know, just as you were talking about, you know, people always ask, why aren't there more undefeated seasons mm-hmm. in, in sports? And you you made a great point. And it's something when you and I both coached, we brought up all the time, Joe. The teams that win all the time don't make adjustments because they don't need to. You learn more from your losses. So these teams that start out 11-0, you know, just like what happened in the Super Bowl last year, a team changes up that scheme, that winning team isn't prepared, and they get knocked on their heels. So I personally think if you are going to be a true championship team, and there aren't many exceptions to this, you know, as Ned said, 12-5, and 11-6, and six, those records are perfect. Because you've learned from those. It 
takes you into the long haul. Well, I think your your goal has to be in baseball. We always talk about winning series, mm-hmm. win series, win series. And I think in football, you have to look at the season in quarters. Yes. Come out with a winning record out of your quarter. Go into the next quarter. Win your win your conference. Get home seed. Do the, all those things that you need to t- take care of business when you need to take care of business. Mm-hmm. Josh, what about you? Do you think they're still the best team in the NFL? I do. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I think they've got the most talent. I think they've got the most potential. I, My opinion of undefeated teams, I, I'm going to be kind of a, a dissenting opinion here a little bit. Well, because you're an Alabama fan. Yeah, being a longtime <laughs> Alabama fan. You haven't lost forever, have you? Yeah, no. Here's the thing, and it, and it's it, – the reason it's so tough at the NFL is because we, you know, we hear that term parity all the time. There is a lot more parity in the NFL than there is in college athletics, of course. Playing ground's a little more even. Yeah, it is, definitely. And so I think that's part of what makes it so tough. But what you realize, like being an Alabama fan for so long, what you realize is as the weeks go on, the pressure just builds and mm-hmm. builds and builds because the expectation becomes you have to win every game. And so when these games are close or if they're behind and have to come back, that pressure is so great. That's why you see, I mean, the reason Alabama can go undefeated is because their talent level is so much higher than a lot of their competition a lot of time. That's never going to be the case again in the NFL. Their boosters give more money to their players. They do. Their boosters are paying (laughs) their players a lot more money than NFL players are getting paid. That that nil is a capital letter down there, (laughs) and I know. (laughs) What about you, Ned? Do you think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL right now? On paper, they are. No question about it. On paper. Play the games on paper, boy. They don't. That's just it. They don't play the games on paper. But yes, when you write out the scripts and check the, the lineups and the roster, of every team, yeah, I have no yep. no question in my mind. They are the best team, but the best team doesn't always win. In fact, the best team, I'm going to give you a baseball case in point. Where were the San Francisco Giants picked this oh year? Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're they're <laughs> and, and in the nether regions of the National League. Yes. And way down there. And I looked at the record this morning. Folks, there's the old adage in baseball, win 54, lose 54, and the other 54. They haven't even lost 50 games yet. Oh, wow. That's how good they've been. And why? And, and quietly how? good. Yes. Oh, yeah, quietly. Quiet. Nobody's talked about They're them. under the radar. No. Yeah. Good. They've been really, really alive. good. We're about 30, 90 minutes away from Dan Israel and Art Haynes taking over for the pregame show. It's Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. And the stockings were hung by the chimney with care as we began the football season. Jets and Panthers in a field goal battle. Panthers up 9-0. Texans-Jaguars, 17-7. Cardinals over the Titans, 17-6. Chargers over the team from Washington, 13-6. Eagles over the Falcons, 7-6. Bengals, 14. Vikings, 7. 49ers killing the Lions, 28-10. And Seahawks over the Colts, 21-10. That's the scores. As we get set, the uh, Bills just scored a touchdown, so their game is 9-0 over Pittsburgh. Defensive battle, we've got that on on the TV screen here in the studio. Uh, let's talk about some local football action going on. Our Missouri State Bears, Coach Petrino, coming off a, an 
I would say Ned says there's no such thing as a uh, moral victory, but an <laughs> impressive loss. And last night, how did things turn out for the team? It was a wild game at the end, and Missouri State got the win over a very good Central Arkansas team. There is, it's a noticeable difference between Division 1A and 1AA or FBS, FCS, whichever you prefer. The noticeable, noticeable difference isn't, isn't talent. The players are all really good folks, but it's the depth that you yes. get into. Mm-hmm. And the depth eventually wins for the larger teams because they have more scholarships mm-hmm. and they can recruit more athletes. In the game against Oklahoma State, the Bears really had a great chance to win the thing. Did not do so. 23-16, controversial calls, but there are always going to be controversial calls. Now, again, please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to be a cynic, but Oklahoma State is down. Mm -hmm. They're not playing very well. They barely, barely got by a very average Tulsa team yesterday, 28-23, to and that's a Tulsa team that had lost the week before to a 1AA team. UC Davis <laughs> had gone into Tulsa and beat them. So I have some skepticism about how strong Oklahoma State is, and we'll see that when they get into the, the meat of their schedule. The Bears were playing down to their level last night, 1AA, and Central Arkansas is nationally ranked. In fact, they were ranked above the Bears. They're very, very good. What has Bears win forty three thirty four the final the final points are on a pick at the end of the game and of course that, that counts it all counts uh, the d- difference was made by the quarterbacking uh, Jason Shelley who is a very fine young this is third college you better be good by now right. <laughs> anyway he was able to he had a, he had a tough day he was I think six or twelve if I'm not mistaken through the air but uh, he did complete some very big passes down the stretch. The, the game was really decided in the fourth period. Both teams had to go back and forth like a seesaw. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Central Arkansas had the lead in the ball game, and the Bears came back on a touchdown off a kickoff. Mm-hmm. Central Arkansas had gotten the uh, touchdown, kicked it off. Bears took it 96 yards, touchdown, put Missouri State back in the lead again. Then Central Arkansas came back, took the lead, and the Bears were able to wrest that away from them and get a a 37 to 34 lead and then put on the uh, interception at the end of the game. Defense. Coach Petrino has talked about how good Missouri State's defense is, and they are. They're very strong. They're stalwart. They've got some good athletes. They're quick. They got shelled last night, especially the defensive backfield, by a very good quarterback. Now, the Bears have some really tough hombres in one double A to face. North Dakota State. North Dakota. North Dakota (laughs) will be here. That's the team that ran them out in the playoffs last spring. Yes. North Dakota, I found this to be extremely interesting, was on TV Friday night, and they're playing Utah State. And Utah State, this is out in Logan, Utah. Utah State was coming off a huge victory over Washington State, a Pac-12 team the week before. North Dakota, bing, 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 touchdown just like this, up 21-3. to I said, boy, this is going to be a smoking it didn't last. Utah State got <laughs> awfully tough and then went on to win. I think it was 40, 48 to 24, something like Oof. that. But these these FCS teams, these 1AA teams, are really good. There's some solid football teams. North Dakota State hasn't been challenged yet. South Dakota State has been out of Colorado State, ran them out of their own home ballpark, played. <laughs> And I'm please don't misunderstand. Not being denigrating, played Lindenwood yesterday mm-hmm. from up in St. Louis. 
I think it was 52 to 7 or 64 to nothing. I'm not sure, some, something like that. But those teams in the north, northern states, the Dakotas, they're really, really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll be Missouri State's next opponent is South Dakota, University of South Dakota. And they'll be here in two weeks, take next week off. Let's stop and talk about that just for a second because there's all different tiers of college athletics that are going on. And what we see on the TV most of the time is the, what is that referred to? That's FBS. Okay. And the FCS is what the Bears play in. Correct. But let's let's quantify this for people who may not understand. The top conference, the top conferences in the FBS are SEC. Mm-hmm. They're Big Ten, the Big Ten, Big, Ten, Big 12, Twelve, Big Twelve, Pac Ten or Pac Twelve, whatever. What the Bears play in in the FCS is equivalent to one of those at their level. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very outstanding conference. It is, I think, often been referred to as the SC, SEC of the FCS. We're using a lot of acronyms here. By the way. <laughs> I'm getting confused myself, but it's a very it's the top level conference in the FCS, and so there's a lot of great competition in that. The national champion for the past several years has come out of that conference. Mm-hmm. It's been North Dakota State in the past past eight years prior to that didn't get there last year in the spring. The play the season was in the spring last year, so they're only four months away from having played. Uh, but uh, the national champion, reigning national champion now is Sam Houston State. And uh, they are really good. And they're almost all back. They beat the runner-up South Dakota State, which was down in the championship game and lost, oh gosh, right at the wire. It was a terrific battle. South Dakota State is now currently the number one team. Well, so Sam Houston is. They're one and two in the country. Mm-hmm. And yes, Joe, I'm glad you said that, too, because they are very good football teams that could beat any number, any number of the 1A teams in the country. And let's talk about this for just a second for people that don't know. Trey Lance is one of the most sought-after quarterbacks in the draft this season. He comes from one of the schools Mm -hmm. in North Dakota State in the conference that the Bears play in. So it's, it's a really, really good conference. There's some very good teams in it. And I think there's a lot of people that believe that if uh, North Dakota and North Dakota State, those teams were in FBS, that they would be competitive football teams. They would be because they'd be allowed to upgrade their scholarships. Yes. The difference is 83, uh, 85, I think it is, 85 for the bigger schools and 63 for yes. the lower level. Therein lies your difference. Those oh, first tier of players, wow. both on offense and defense, on both sides are almost the equivalent, if not the equivalent, of many others. And that's why you see these major upsets, the one double-A teams going in and winning. Yeah, they can do that now because one game, like Appalachian State and Michigan, is one game. Well, Appalachian State did go on to win the national championship that same year. But by the same token, when you get your team set for one game, you can win. Now, could these teams do that on an everyday or every week basis? Not now, because the scholarship levels aren't there, and that evil rate of attrition is always showing its head, and uh, that would make the difference. We're about 25 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. You're listening to your local live pregame show, Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk 
on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Yeah, we're just a few minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show with Dan Israel, Art Haynes, Mitch Holtis kickoff for the game. 325 today as they take on the Cleveland Browns. Let's talk a little baseball because we got some baseball guys in here, myself included. I know John wanted to talk baseball. Ned, take the stage. Talk some baseball. Well, we have approximately 20 games remaining. By we, I'm making reference to the Major Leagues. 20 games remaining, which has been an extraordinary season. The San Francisco Giants have just blown my mind away. Where in the world they came from, I'll never tell you, but they have played great baseball. I, you might want to check the standings, Joe, but I think they're 92-50, and 50, if I'm not mistaken. Da, 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 and that da, da, doesn't da, da, happen by magic. You're a pretty no. good team. We've you. talked about it all season. They've quietly been the best team in baseball. They've been the most consistent team in baseball. They played extremely well. And they have continued to hold off the Dodgers 92 and 50. Kids, for you doing math at home, that's almost a 650 winning percentage, which is, that's hard to find in baseball. The interesting factor is they, I think the Dodgers are what, two games back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've won 92 already. They're 90 and 53. So either one of those teams is a wild card. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Cardinals are playing for. They're out of it. Cardinals are gone. They're not going to win. That, but they may could get that second wild card. Mm -hmm. All right, so what happens if they win the second wild card? Well, that pushes them into a one game game playoff, playoff, which will be either at Dodger Stadium or whatever they call the uh, Giant Stadium. Oracle is that what it is? I think so. Oracle, yeah. yeah. I still want to call it Candlestick, Ned. So that's so do I. No, but the fact remains that if the Cardinals were to get it, they'd have one game out there, and then the winner goes on to the rest of the playoffs. That in and of itself will be very difficult unless you have. Adam Wainwright on the hill, which I'm sure you will. But this uh, achieving that second wild card is going to go right to the final week of the season, if Mm -hmm. not to the final game of the season. Uh, Cardinals are, as we speak now, with the game about ready to get underway with the Cincinnati Reds, if it hasn't already started, two games, two games out. Cardinals win today, they're one game out. But then that's all they have with the Reds. That's it's right. all over. They have a bunch with the Brewers and a bunch with the Cubs mm-hmm. and the Padres and the New York Mets. Yes. That's as Shannon is so <laughs> adept at saying, old Abner's done it again. Hey, well, come on. We had dropped that thing anyway. <laughs> Double day. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the schedule is working out to where it's going to be a pretty exciting uh, in terms of a team vying for a one-game postseason playoff. Mm-hmm. There's some very good teams in baseball right now, and I, w- I want to put this out there because I know you have a problem with ESPN. Uh, the sexy teams are not winning their divisions. Nope. So that is the reason why you probably don't hear so much about the teams that are in first place. Tampa Bay in first in the American League East. They have a nine-game lead over Boston, mm-hmm. of course, ESPN's favorite team. Toronto and New York are tied in third place. Looks like the uh, the the wild card's going to come out of that division no yes. matter what. Chicago just getting it done. Oh, the White Sox. Tony LaRusso, manager. Consistent. Houston Astros, nobody really wants to talk about them, period. Atlanta <laughs> is on top in the uh, National League East. The Phillies are fading fast at yes. three and a half back. Milwaukee, there's not a lot of interest to talk about Milwaukee, mm-hmm. though they're a very good baseball team and played a lot of good baseball this year. And then 
the Giants are over the Dodgers in the West. If you just watched ESPN, you would probably think the Dodgers were running away with everything and had already been crowned champions again. And I think that's a problem with the way that we we digest sports these days. It is, and I try to stay away from that bias, Joe. As you know, I like to delve deep into all of the major league teams during the season. And I will say this, you know, the the ESPN factor removed. When I look at the statistics and I look up and down that San Francisco Giants lineup and their pitching staff, I see an, an 80 and 80 team, 81 and 81. And they have surpassed expectations. Sure, Buster Posey's hitting 310, but he's played in, you know, 40 fewer games than he could have. Brandon Crawford's had a great season. He's a consistent player. Evan Longoria has only played in 42 games this year. I mean, you just look at it. Mike Estremski's had a pretty awful year. Brandon Belt's had a down year. But somehow they are winning these close games. So it's it's baffling to me. But, I mean, they are obviously are the real deal. They've done it all year. And it'll be interesting to see how they perform in the playoffs. Just looking at the uh, statistics here, they're 45 and 23 at home. They're 47 and 27 away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a dead even split. Right. Run scored 697, which is they're in, I think, third place with that. Mm-hmm. But they're behind the Dodgers, who are behind them. And they have also given up more runs than the Dodgers yes. have given up. So you know what that tells me? Bullpen. The bullpen, exactly. They've got a great bullpen. Yes. And that's those are the guys that really fly under the radar. Yeah. And you talk about a baseball team. Yep. What are your Cubs doing, by the way, Joe? <laughs> baseball season ended when the Cubs had their fire sale and sold off every talented player they had. And what did they do when the San Francisco Giants came into Wrigley Field last week? That's right. They gave Chris Bryant a big award standing and a standing ovation. ovation. <laughs> hey, he's got free drinks in Chicago for the rest of his life. Yeah, right. They should have just forfeited those games. Right. Who's some, is Bud Black still the manager for San Francisco? Who's the manager at San Francisco now? Uh, is it Bochy? Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy. Well, yeah. they, right there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I thought he Bochy retired. I don't think so. So I believe he's still. Let me or go. is it? Or is it Kapler now? It's it's the Phillies manager. It's it's uh, yeah. It's uh, Gabe Kapler. Yeah. Yeah. It is Kapler. Okay. Gabe yeah. Kapler. Had yeah. to think about That's that. Yeah. Just there's an interesting bit of radio for you. Is three guys discuss who the manager of the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> <Well>, the managers <laughs> come and go so quickly. Yes. Uh, and well, thirty teams around. It's it's hard to keep a track of them. But he he uh, had a, a he had a pretty good little deal with the Phillies going, and they yeah. let him go. That was surprising to me. I think yeah. he's, I, and I'm sorry to say this for fans of Mr. Schilt, but I'd kill to have Gabe, Gabe Kapler running our young team right now. When Philadelphia let him go, I thought that's who they would get. Me too. Do you I think mean, the uh, Cardinals will stay with Mike Schilt for another they, season? They already say they're They already to, said yes. they're committed to him. And, yeah. and <laughs> which is fine. There is, there is some method to his team and so forth, but I do not like, and, and it's not a matter of the time consumption, but personally do not like the parade to the bullpen in no. every single game. We talked about it on this show. This was our scrimmage shows that we That's did right. prior to the yeah. official. <laughs> uh, the, uh, we talked about it early, uh, as early as May and in, into early June. 
my God, he's going to that bullpen too much. What's mm-hmm. going to happen to him at the end of the year? And I think we're seeing results of that. I don't want to hear you guys talk about the scrimmage shows anymore because you should just be happy that you guys made the four-man <laughs> roster. Poor Jake. He got cut. He's on the taxi squad. Right. So if any of you guys get hurt <laughs> it's okay. I'll be during on the, the season, I'll Jake, be on the aisle shortly. Jake's, Jake's on the taxi squad. <laughs> we're about 10 minutes away from the start of the pregame right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Four minutes, 48 seconds till the start of the Chiefs pregame show. I'm Joe Weston doing the Chiefs pre-pregame show. It's called Ned Talk with Ned Reynolds, Josh Roberts, John Oliver. I want to point out that we usually pick out our player of the week. That's brought to you by Morrison, Webster, and Carlton. But we didn't have any football last week, so we can't do our player (laughs) of the week. So we'll, we'll do that next week for you. John wanted to mention really quickly about what's going on in Baltimore. That's the team that the Chiefs play next. Stage is yours. We talk about the war of attrition with injuries, and we bring it up often. Baltimore's in a unique situation that I personally haven't seen. So they started the season with three running backs on their roster. Well, they're down to one healthy running back because of ACL tears and injuries. So a familiar name was signed to the taxi squad when the second injury happened. Now Mr. Bell may be the starting running back. So we talked about whether Le'Veon Bell would catch on with the team. Here's to show you. If if you've been a decent, productive player in the NFL, you absolutely have the chance to get thrust right what, back in a starting role. What year was the last year that he was a productive player in the NFL? Would have been three yeah, years ago. Been three years exactly. ago. Yeah. It's ridiculous that that guy is still getting a job anywhere. Well, it's because he is Le'Veon Bell, number one. He, uh, interestingly enough, talks a pretty good game. Now, when he got let go by the Chiefs, you know, he blasted yes, he Andy Reid, terrible coach, never want to play for him again and all that sort of thing. But Le'Veon Bell, in his mind, thinks that he can still play. Yes, and he guys, does. That's that's a very important factor because mm-hmm. if you can't, if you don't think you can play, you don't need to be in there. Right. Bell thinks he can, and he could be for the early part of the season some level of help to the Baltimore Ravens. He could. The Chiefs didn't play him at all right. in the right. postseason. And there probably is a reason for that, and the reason might be something that we brought up here on this show when he was purchased from the New York Jets. Yes. Attitude. Attitude. Yep. He's a fruitcake. Keep in mind, Todd Gurley's still floating in the ether as well, so I expect to see him on a team. All right, quickly, let's do Mm -hmm. our picks for the game today. Our prediction, Ned, with you to start. Chiefs by a score of, uh, I'm going to go the over the over-under. What is I'm, the over-under? 51. Okay. I am going to say the Chiefs 34, Cleveland Browns 31. That's a close game. What do you think, John? I'm going to go a little less optimistic. It's still going to be over. I'm going to go 27-24 Chiefs. 27-24 Chiefs. Okay, what do you, what do, you do? Josh. Well, the number that first popped into my mind was 35-20, so I'm going to go with that. Chiefs. 35-20. Okay. 35-20. Here's what I'm going to do this year, because I am. Uh, I do want the Chiefs to do extremely well, and I'm, do, I'm really poor at picking football games. <laughs> I am always going to pick against the Chiefs, period. Okay. That's my plan for the season. That's my 
for everybody out there, don't think that I hate the Chiefs. Let's just say I'm picking against them because my mojo is so bad. <laughs> and for folks out there that would like to wait for Joe Weston in the parking lot, no, the no, address no, no, is... No, no, no. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm pointing this out. Because I pick so poorly, I am going to pick against the Chiefs all year long because I do pick so poorly. So I pick Cleveland to win this game by a score of 5 to two. <laughs> There's going to be two safeties in this game. There's going to be two safeties two in the safeties. game. Two I safeties in the you game. You know what he's done? He's got Trevor Bauer back with Cleveland now. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what I've done. I just want to say thanks to Ned Brennels, John Oliver, Josh Roberts. We will see you guys next week. Hopefully I'll be here. Chiefs fans won't kill me. Please don't get set. The pregame is starting in just seconds.